0: Welcome to Starkville Church of God. This is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you, strengthens you, and fills you with God's love so you can share with others. Enjoy the message. Second Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. If you got it, would you say amen? We'll read from the King James Version this morning. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dearly beloved Son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve for my forefathers, with a pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, I am persuaded that in thee also, wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. I want to speak to you on that simple little thought this morning, stir up the gift. Would you stretch your hands this way and pray for me as I do the same for you. Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for this opportunity to be in your house. Thank you, O Lord, for the worship, for the praise that has gone on. Now, Lord, I just pray that you would just touch every person under the sound of my voice, God, both here in this building, listening by podcast, open every heart, mind, and spirit that they would receive what you have for them, O Lord. And Father, I pray that you'd help me, God. I pray that you'd anoint me from the top of my head to the soles of my Give me the clarity of thought, the clarity of speech that is so necessary to do what you've called me to do. God, and we just thank you and praise you, God, for anything good that is done in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody in the house said, Amen. Before you see it, turn around to two or three people, give them a fist bump, and tell them, I am glad to see you at church in July. See, I believe that there are, in this particular thought, two classifications. There are things that God does for us. I'm thankful that God, just last week, I believe it was, uh, that I mentioned justification. The Lord justifies us. The Lord saves us. The Lord paid the price for us. How many of you know that we can never earn our salvation? Our salvation was paid for. It was a price that none of us could afford. Only one could pay that price, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God could pay that price. We can never earn it. There are things that God does for us, but how many of you know that once God does those things for us, there are things that He says we must do for ourselves? Well, a couple of you do. (laughs) I said, how many of you know that there are things that God says we must do for ourselves? He does things for us, and then he says that we must do some things for ourselves. One of our favorite messages, I believe I preached it here, and probably over the years, that probably won't be the last time, probably three or four or five or however many years the Lord lets me live, I I, I love the message where David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. You know, there's sometimes that, you know, we're waiting on God to just come down and encourage, encourage us, but David had to do it himself. There are times that we'd we'd really like the pastor to, you know, come and encourage us, but that just doesn't happen. We'd like for somebody to just post something really inspirational on Facebook or a great text that would inspire us. But sometimes the Lord is allowing us to say, hey, it's up to you. It's up to you to do it. It's up to you to encourage yourself. And here we find Timothy. He's being instructed by his father in the faith, Paul, to stir up the gift. So I got four quick points I want to give you this morning. And if you're following along or taking notes, number one, where did the gift come from? Paul tells Timothy to stir up that gift. So where did the gift come from? Well, Paul makes a pretty clear uh, statement there that it came from the laying on of hands. Wherefore, verse 6, I put thee thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands hands. You see, I believe that Paul laid his hands on Timothy and imparted this gift of God. Now, I still believe that there is impartation and there is value in the laying on of hands. Now, I want you to see this this morning because, you know, we in a Pentecostal church, we do this, but a lot of times we don't even understand why we do what we do. How many of you know that? Sometimes we just, we just been doing stuff for a long time, whether it's right, wrong, or indifferent, and, and we just been doing it, so we keep on doing But I want you to see here this morning that there is a biblical reason why we lay on hands. There is real significance in the laying on of hands. We find throughout the scriptures that healing can be imparted by the laying on of hands. Jesus in Mark chapter 6 and verse 5 says this, he laid his hands upon a sick foot and healed them. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 40, it says, He laid His hands on every one of them and healed. Healed them. He said, Well, that's Jesus. Well, then in Mark chapter 16 and verse 18, it's Jesus speaking here about us, the disciples and the believers. He says, They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You see, Jesus, yes, it was Jesus that did it first, but Jesus paved the way and Jesus gave the example and said, Not only did I do it, but He said, That you are going. Him to do it too. Not just the pastor, not just the music pastor, not just the youth pastor, not just the overseer, but I believe that every single believer that will believe that God is able to do it can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Then the book of James chapter 5 verses 14 and 15 says, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with all in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he hath committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. That's a mouthful there. Just those two verses in the book of James tells us so much, tells us to pray over people, tells us to anoint them with oil, tells us to believe in faith, pray the prayer of faith, and God can save the sick. And not only would he save the sick, he said if they've got sins, those sins, can be forgiven also. Aren't you glad for that this morning? We find also throughout the Scripture, what else happens when you lay hands on them? We find in the book of Acts chapter 8 and verse 17, that when you lay hands on people, that they can receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost, Acts 8 and 17. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Now, you don't have to have hands laid on you to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Peter was at Cornelius' house, and the Bible said that the Holy Ghost fell on them that heard the Word. So, that's not the only way that it can happen, but it can happen that way. You can be healed through the laying on of hands. You can be filled with the Holy Ghost with the laying on of hands. And I do believe that as we see here in 1 Timothy chapter 6, that we find there can be an impartation of the gifts of God through the laying on of hands. Paul said to Timothy right here once again, stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of. Of my hands. I know so much we've lost respect for authority of all kinds, and, and, and we, no, we don't want to talk about that anymore, but I believe that there is still biblical, sound biblical evidence that says that when we allow the people of the church, especially the elders of the church and those over in authority to lay their hands on people, that spiritual impartation can take place. Now, I know in some charismatic circles, it's been taken way too far and then people want to sell it. But how many of you know the Bible talks about that also when people want to try to sell it? I'm not talking about selling it. I'm talking about giving it away. You see, I still believe that when we lay our hands on people, that people can be filled with the Spirit, people can be healed, people can be delivered, people can receive the gifts of the Spirit when we lay our hands on people. Somebody say Amen. So, that's why we do what we do. Secondly, you may ask, well, what was the gift? One commentator said that it was the gift of evangelism. However, the specific gift is not ever mentioned in Scripture outright. And honestly, it's not important, and I believe it's not mentioned outright very much on purpose for the reason of that we all have different gifts You see, it's for the same reason that Paul, how many of you have read about Paul, and you know Paul talks about he had a thorn in the flesh. Anybody you've ever read that? The apostle Paul said, I've missed several times mentions a thorn in the flesh. Never. Now, there's again speculation. Some believe it was his eyesight, because in one instance, he talks about how he was riding so big, and they believe that after the scales came on his eyes, after he encountered Jesus, and they fell off, that his eyesight never really recovered. There's all kind of speculation, so whatever you want to speculate about it, the Bible never specifically says what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. I just want you to know today that there is reason. There is reason why the the specific gift is not mentioned here by Paul about what Timothy's gift is, and there's never a specific mention by Paul about what his thorn in the flesh is. Why? Because I believe that this same Scripture is for all kind of different people who have all kind of different problems, and all kind of different gifts. Isn't it amazing that this one book, this living Word of God can apply to so many different people? Doesn't matter where they came from. Doesn't matter what their background is. Doesn't matter what continent they live on. Doesn't matter any of that. I'm so thankful today that there is the living Word of God that is here for everybody. No matter what kind of gifts you have, no matter what what kind of problems you have, they are not specifically mentioned because God wants you to know whatever your problem is, He's got the answer for it. Whatever your giftings are, God's got something for you. He's made you and I different from one another because there's so many things that He needs to get done through us. Aren't you glad He didn't make us all the same? Amen. Now, I know that Jamie wishes, you know, that there could be many of me, you know, but there's only one. (laughs) Sometimes she wishes there were zero of me. Sometimes that life insurance, I think, is probably a little more valuable than I am. I worry about that at times. But I'm thankful today I'm thankful that God gives us the Word, and never is there a specific thing. God has so many different gifts for us. How many of you know there's, there is people that I can't reach that you can reach? There are people that may never step foot in this building here at 100 Locksley Way that you see every single day of your life at work or at school, and you can reach them. And maybe even if they came into this building, they may not want to listen to me. Because, you know, I, they may not be able to relate to me. But you can relate to them. God gave us all different gifts. How many of you know that the church is made of, there's so many different things that we have to do? You know, we start tonight, we start VBS tonight, we're ministering to our kids throughout this week. Our kids are the focus. How many of you know it takes a special call to minister to kids? Come on, somebody. If you've ever taught a Sunday school class, if you've ever taught a, listen, I've been one of the, I've never full-time taught one, but I've been one of the students, you know, but, you know, sometimes the horror stories, a lot of times, is that junior high boys Sunday school class. You know, over the years, I've got a lot of comments and a lot of feedback on that, you know. It all takes different ones of us to do that. You know, it takes special ones. Can I just tell you that there are, there are some people here that have got a lot of talents and a lot of gifts, but you may not can play any of those instruments up there on that platform because God gave them giftings. You know, there's some people, there's some people that can do things, but they may not be the person I want at the front door. Some may have wonderful gifts and wonderful things, and I'm not going to name any, anything in particular, but they may can do a hundred other things well, but they may not be the person that I want at the front door because they're just not that outgoing and don't always smile maybe. But then there's some that I may not want them up here playing an instrument, but I want them out there on the, at the front door. We've all got different gifts and different talents and different abilities, and God never intended for us to come in and for him to make us into cookie-cutter clones. We've all got different gifts and abilities, and that's why, God, I want you to see that here. That's why God chose in his word not to let the specific gift be mentioned in this Scripture because that leads us then into point number three if you're taking notes, the gift Needed to be stirred up. You see, because whatever your gift is, I I, I took you all around the world because I wanted you to see that no matter what your gift was, and neither one that way you wouldn't say, "Well, that was just a gift of evangelism that needs to be stirred up." And that, nope, that's why he never mentioned anyone specifically, so that we would see that no matter what your gifting is, that there are times that you're going to have to stir it up. Can I take you back to the introduction again. Of the things that God does, and then there's things that God says you gotta do. God will give you the gift, but God said it's up to you to stir up that gift. From the original Greek, this means to fan into flame. How many of you ever dealt with fire before? Anybody you ever dealt with fire before? Well, you you know that that. There was a, I learned this back a long time ago. Believe it or not, I can even remember this. In, in high school, in electricity, we had to learn about the fire triangle. To have a fire, you've got to have three things. You've got to have heat, fuel, and oxygen. Because if you're going to put a fire out, you've got to take one of those out of the equation, and you can put the fire out. And so, in order to have fire, you've got to have oxygen. You've got to have wind. And so, if you've ever seen, maybe you've been a, anybody ever been to Dollywood before, or anywhere? You ever or seen maybe somebody at a forge and seen them, and they got the fire there. And what do they do to get the fire hot enough to get the metal hot? They blow on it. That's right. If it's old timey, you've seen some of those little unik. Uh, Blowing things there. Yes, and they blow on them. I want to say unicorn. It ain't no unicorn. Not a ukulele either. What's the big thing that you? Yeah, and the bellow, and, and they blow the air. But that's not mean, even... What's the thing with the, the keys and the accordion? Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Man, the music thing. My head So pushing air through the thing. Or you get the bellow and you blow the air into the fire. Why? Because when you force more air into the fire, it gets the fire hotter. When he says, stir up the gift, and you look at that Greek word, that Greek word literally means to fan into flame. That's something that they knew. At that time, they had fire, and fire was very much important to them. And if they had a fire, and they were needing to do something, and they needed a fire to get hotter, however, whatever you tools or utensils they had at that point in history, whether it was just a fan, whether it was a bellow, or whether it was them blowing with their mouth, it would blow. I can remember, I was burning a fire, me and one of my friends up in Illinois, we we had a big fire going, and it well, we was burning all kind of brush, and we wanted it to get hotter, and we got a leaf blower out, and we started putting that leaf blower, and those coals started getting hot, hot, hot. That's what God is saying to us. He's saying, I gave you a gift. You didn't come up with that gift on your own. I gave you the gift, but what your responsibility is is to fuel that gift. I gave it to you, but you gotta fan it. You gotta put the oxygen to it. You've got to put what, there we go again, what represents air and wind in the Bible, the Holy Spirit. In other words, you've got to be responsible to make sure that you're letting the Spirit of God breathe on your gift, breathe into your life, fan the flame of the gift of God in your life. It's a compound verb, they form Again, up and to kindle. Somebody say again. You see, I know you fanned it before, but God said you got to do it again. Come on, in my life, I've grown up in church. In my life, I've been through a lot of good revivals, I've been to a lot of good camp meetings. Hey, just this past summer, we had a great camp meeting. And I'm telling you that I believe that the wind of the Spirit blew in to me. But you know what? I can't let that experience back in June be it. I've got to daily make sure that I'm saying, Lord, I want the wind I want the wind of the Spirit of God to blow into my life again. He did it before he'll do it again. Listen, don't you just go on 30 years ago's blessing Don't you go on, on one week ago's blessing. we had a great service last week but that's not going to cut it. It said again Paul is telling Timothy something here you've got a fan into flame again and again, and again, because a natural human tendency for us is that we'll let it die down. And he said, fan into flame again, and again. You see, the true gift was there, but was not being used and was in danger of going out. You see, if you're not using the gifts that God has placed in your life, then there's a danger of the flame going out. You know, if God's given you a gift, I understand there's certain seasons and God uses us in different ways. Most of the time, if we are not careful, we've got to be using that gift, fanning that flame, something else about fire, have you ever noticed that if you leave a fire there by itself, it just kind of die down. But even if you don't got a leaf blower or, or a bellow or anything like that, even if you take a shovel and just start stirring it around a little bit. What was just kind of embers flames will start to flame up again. I don't know what kind of gifts God has given to your life, but I can tell you according to Scripture right here, he's talking to his son. Paul is talking to his son in the faith, Timothy, and He's saying that gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you and God gave you that gift, that thing that God did for you, there's something that you've got to do. You've got to make sure that you're fanning that thing into flame because if you don't, there's a danger of it going out. So how do we stir it up, fourth and finally? We must again realize that God gives us the gift, but it's our responsibility to keep it ablaze. When you look back, You know, you've heard me, if you've heard me once or twice, you know I'm thankful for the Old Testament because the Old Testament is the types and shadows and points and, and gives us that. And in the Old Testament, we find something significant. We find in the building of the tabernacle that at the first, when everything was complete and everything was done and they got the altar ready, when it was time for that very first sacrifice, the Bible said that the fire fell from heaven. And lit the sacrifice. In the, same in, in the same way, after Solomon had constructed the temple and they were there dedicating the new altar, Solomon didn't get out a box of Strike Anywhere matches. He didn't get sticks and rubbed them together. The very first fire did what? It fell from heaven. And you read throughout the instances of the tabernacle and the temple, it all runs together there. God lit the fire, and it was the responsibility of the Levites to keep the fire going. And in fact, there was something called strange fire, and that strange fire was if they got the fire for the sacrifice or the incense or any of that from any other source besides the one that God gave. God gave that first fire, and it was up to them to maintain the coals and to maintain the fire, and from that one fire, they would take it, and they would fuel it, and they would fan it, and they would keep it up. And so, year after year after year after year, whether they were burning incense, whether they were burning sacrifices on the altar, it all originated back to what God gave to them. Church, I'm telling you today, my heart, my desire is that we keep the fire ablaze. On the day of Pentecost, 2,000 years ago, God gave the fire to the church. They were in the upper room and there were cloven tongues like as a fire that sat upon each of them. God gave the fire to the church. God gives the gifts to the church. It all originated from God. But He says it is our responsibility to make sure that we're fanning, to make sure that we're. Letting the breath of the Holy. We've got to make sure, just like whatever, if you're a fireplace or if it's a grill and there's all these mechanisms to open up and to make let wind and air get through, sometimes you got to open some doors in your life so the Spirit of God can begin to move through and blow the flames that He gave you to start with. Stand with me if you will, please. God gave us the gifts. But he says it's our responsibility to fan the flame. It's our responsibility to make sure that the flame doesn't go out. There's a whole other sermon. You probably heard one or two about being a keeper of the flame. It's up to us to praise Him. You know, the Bible tells us that what He inhabits, the praises of His people. It's up to you. If you want the win... To blow and the fan into flame. Praise Him. Prayer. We've got to be a praying church. We've got to be praying people. People that will pray. People that will call out on the name of the Lord. Because when they pray in the book of Acts, we find the church would come together and pray, and the place was shaken. What else do we need? I believe we need an expectancy. The upper room in the book of Acts, the Bible said they weren't all in one place, in one accord. The windows were shut. The doors were shut. I'm thankful today that I can feel cold air blowing here. But in that day in the city of Jerusalem, in that upper room, there was no air conditioning unit blowing. Was no box fan blowing. Doors were shut, windows were shut. But they came what? Expecting. Because Jesus had said, What? Go tear ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. So there they were, expecting. They didn't know exactly what it was going to look like, but they came expecting. And they were in one place, in one accord, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven like as of a rushing, mighty wind. This is a spiritual thing. How do we keep the gift? Keep praying. Keep praising. Stay expecting. Thanks for listening to our podcast. To find out more about us, follow us on social media at Starkville COG. Special thanks to those who generously support this ministry. If you would like to give, visit us at StarkvilleCOG.com forward slash give. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week.